Wenu ya ndiva? Ewe. Oh, okay. No, 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 we are diva. Hi, Andisa. Hello. Oh, okay. Oh, we are Diva. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Okay.
Good morning, Chaya. I'm wondering if Dim Dotonga Govana. I think it's where we're at, what is Because I, 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 I just spoke to someone. Done. Participants. We and Eva. How's the air? No, no, Good morning, Chai. Am I visible? Yes. Or is there too much light? No, you are visible, Chair. Eh? You are visible. Can you hear I'm me? I'm okay. Yes. Can you All hear right. me, Chair? Pardon? Can you hear me? <laughs> yeah? Oh. <laughs> I'm asking ah, if I... you can hear me. Yeah, now I can hear you. Oh, all right. All right, sir. I hear you very well. They say my, my speaker me? is so poor, so I need to end up connecting in the car. Oh, all right. All right. Yeah, yes. but I can. Yes, teacher, we can hear you. I think I have a problem here. I don't think people can hear me. Um, Is your volume up?
Good morning, uh, honorable members. And a very good morning to the Department of Information and Technology, Science and Technology. Um, welcome. Um, can we fly the, the agenda? No, 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 no. Yeah. I got information um, this morning that uh, the minister is out of the country. Oh no, the minister won't be with us and the DM also who was supposed to be with us has also apologized. And I just thought on the remembers because this is a, a presentation that we should give the uh, head of the delegation, the DG, to, to take us through the, this presentation of the uh, decadal system uh, plan, anyway, as they call it. And we all know that this plan was approved by cabinet in 2019. Um, it is actually an implementation plan uh, covering the year 2022 to 2031. Um, is there any move of this, the agenda on the remembers? Is there any move for the adoption of this agenda? I move, uh, Honorable Chair, good morning to your good self. There is a move for adoption of the agenda. I remember who is any seconder? Ndongeni, Chair. Ndongeni, seconds. Thank you very much. We've got two apologies, like I said, when I opened the meeting, that is the, the minister and the DM. Um, I just thought we should uh, continue with this meeting without them, because this is a presentation of a plan, and if there are issues with this plan or whatever, we can engage with them uh, uh, at, a, at a later stage rather than lose this day. I don't know uh, if, if, if that is okay with the members. Recording in progress. I propose, Chair, that we proceed with the meeting. Thank you. Come again. Chair, I propose that we proceed with the meeting. Thank you. All right. Yeah, thanks. Um, welcome, uh, and your team. You may take us through the, the, your decadent plan. Uh, uh, actually, our, our interest more will be how will this improve? Uh, performance and you know delivering the provinces as the, as the NCOP we that is actually our interest what is happening in how will this impact on our process 
you know, will make will it make life easier uh, for both teaching and learning? It shouldn't be that difficult. Uh, it, we shouldn't make it very difficult. <laughs> yeah, uh, over to you. Uh, Thanks. Yeah, thank you very much, Chair, and, and thanks very much to the Honorable. I hope you can hear me. I had a problem earlier on with my machine, um, so we couldn't do the testing, but I hope you can hear me. And uh, now I can hear you. Uh, I just want to... May, may, may I also say, just before that, uh, to step you a little bit, that the, my speaker on the phone is not very okay, so I'll switch my video off so that I can listen with the phone closer to my ear. Okay. You, you may continue. Is it my phone or are you muted? Did you mute yourself? You are inaudible. Noltando, can you help the DG with the sound? Maybe can anyone help? Because I can't hear anything you're saying. All right, Che, I'm trying. Or is it my phone? Maybe my speaker has a very serious problem. I can't hear either. Yes, our, I'm sorry. Oh, I that makes I'm me feel much better then. Okay. Sorry, I, I had a bit of a challenge with my laptop. I, I hope, Chair, we can hear me now. Yes, DJ, we can hear you. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, we can hear you now. Okay, thank you, thank you. So what we'd like to share with you, Honorable Chair and Honorable Members, is, uh, as you indicated, what is uh, the philosophy underlying the Deccan plan? And the fact that uh, we think that the world is changing around us uh, and the rapid uh, change of uh, technological change and the need for us to adapt. We'll give you one or two examples of... Uh, uh, these changes and why we need to, to respond to them and how. And then we're going to share with you what we call STI, science, technology, and innovation priorities, and some societal grand challenges. The point you've made, Chair, one of the areas, the future of work and the future of society, um, which impacts, of course, uh, on, 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 on this committee. And then we would like to share with you uh, the enablers of the National System of Innovation. Uh, we want to talk about the proposal to have a science and innovation IMC, which has been set up after we made a presentation to cabinet, the innovation compact, which we hope will drive 
the decadal plan and commitments that would be made by the various stakeholders. A new model to manage uh, the different components of science, technology, and innovation by different government departments. And then an instrument which we call uh, science, technology, and innovation budget coordination, which we hope will help us to unlock appropriate resources. We would then also give you the progress to date after we were asked to go and consult and what is coming from uh, the consultation, including the feedback from the first interministerial committee uh, that we had last year, and then the next steps in the implementation of the plan, as you indicated, Chair. So this is just a, a slide that tries to remind us and uh, society at large what we've been working on over the last couple of years. So I won't bore you with the details in each of the block, but the most important one is what's at the bottom in the yellow um, areas, where in the 1995-2005, the focus was developing a national system of innovation that serves the interest of all South Africans. So we put together a number of building blocks that you can see then, a white paper, a technology strategy, strategy, national research and development strategy, and, and the advisory council. And then between 2006 and 2018, we were doing th two things. We were looking at whether the NSI can begin to respond to post-1994 uh, demand. So you have science, you continue to build science and capabilities of the system, but identify one or two areas enhance the um, activities of bioeconomy, uh, hydrogen society, uh, South Africa, which we developed in 2008, 2010, uh, IPR Act, National Intellectual Property Management Office and TIA, in order to try and see whether we can make money from knowledge uh, and impact. Um, and then we are now in this 2019, 2029 period where we have a new white paper, as you indicated, Chair, and we are sharing with you the decadal plan. And there was also a review of the higher education, science and technology uh, innovation institutional landscape uh, that has been done. And we are trying to look at uh, uh, what is being proposed as new institutions or strengthening existing institutions. But at the bottom, as you can see, we are now trying to look at whether the NSI uh, can increase its focus on technology development and innovation for socioeconomic development, including supporting a capable state. So that's what uh, we are trying to do then in the next uh, couple of years. So the focus then is to uh, implement the white paper that signaled a need to shift a focus from not only building the NSI, but to see whether we can derive maximum benefit uh, from the system to help address the challenges. We are aware that the South African National System of Innovation has pockets of excellence. So there are areas where we're very good, we're world-class. So the intention is to continue building this NSI uh, by supporting institutions, developing the research capability and high-end skills. So the fact that we want to identify areas where we can have higher impact uh, of the work that we do, but we have to continue to build the research capacity because if it dies, then you cannot harvest anything out of it. 
We would like to work closely with the social sciences uh, because some of the problems, as you will see in the priorities, are social problems, and therefore the science and innovation needs to speak to these social problems that we have in South Africa and the world. We also need to be aware that there are huge transitions that are happening in the area of health, education, as you indicated, and energy. And therefore, we need to be able to provide um, evidence-based transitions um, that need to be managed as we go forward. So we did indicate that uh, we need to respond to a changing world. So just to remind you that the science, the white papers uh, and, and the decadal plan are based on the science, technology, and innovation that will enable inclusive, sustainable development in a changing world, of course, in South Africa. So these words are very, very important. Can we contribute to inclusivity? Can we contribute to development? Can we respond to a world that is changing? So this is an example of how society and technology um, can really be uh, uh, affected by an example where we are of the opinion and we see these things happen, that the vehicles of the future are going to be different. We already know that by 2035 uh, in the EU, they would like to reduce uh, the vehicles that are driven by internal combustion engine that use petrol and diesel into electric vehicles. And then there are expectations that later there could be other vehicles that are not really using petrol and or diesel. Something like this means that your fuel infrastructure that you have will be changed completely. The market and, and people who use cars will be different. The structure of the industry will be different, different. Maintenance and distribution, people say, for instance, for an electric car, you only have very few parts. So people who are making money out of servicing cars will be out of the market unless they adapt. Uh, road and, and, and traffic infrastructure will be different. So just one change uh, in technology changes the impact uh, uh, of the society in a way that we haven't imagined. So this is one example. The second one is this slide. What you see on the right-hand side is a, a new regime, a new society, a new world that is driven by what you see in the middle, which are a number of changes that are happening at this point in time. And these changes are driven by changes in science, changing in society as the way that I've given. And what we see in the world is we see small networks of actors that are supporting new ways of doing things, which will change a society from where we are on the left-hand side into this new future. So we need to understand what these changes are, what these new niche areas are, so we are able to then um, get onto the new, new world uh, and be able to make money and have a society that has jobs. So this is another example of how something such as artificial intelligence is changing a number of sectors, whether it's in the banking sector, whether it's in the transport sector, education, communication, workplace, sports, and so forth. So 
what this means, for an example, is that unless we invest in artificial intelligence and how it is applied in a number of sectors in South Africa, we're going to find ourselves left behind and consuming new products. And in fact, we will not take advantages of, for an example, can we train young people in these areas and begin to have new sources of growth that are brought about by artificial intelligence? So how do we then see the priorities um, for the future? We see climate change and secular economy as important areas where we need to really drive uh, science, technology, and innovation for socioeconomic impact. Education for the future. The future of society will be a completely different society um, across all um, the living uh, standard measures in South Africa and the world. ICTs and smart systems, high-tech industrialization, nutrition, water, health innovation, and sustainable energy. I will talk about these a, a lot more. So these slides are just uh, trying to look at uh, um, what we call societal grand challenges in the decade plan. The first one is climate change and sustainability. And what we have done here is we have put more meat on what this means. Uh, issues such as biodiversity loss, issues of how we manage waste, how we deal with pollution and soil erosion, as an example. Education, skills, and the future of work, this is an area which we really need to invest in. Uh, ECD, TVET colleges, skills for the fourth industrial revolution, curriculum changes that we need to put in place, STI for education and skills development, the role of information and communication technologies and others. And then the future of society, we have seen uh, the impact of rapid technological advancements on human and social dynamics. Artificial intelligence and ethics, inequality and livelihoods that would be impacted by these new changes, issues of trusts, issues of national identity and so forth and so forth. So we are going to put together teams that would be uh, providing government with what are the implications of this going forward. We need to look at how do we make uh, innovation to support a healthy population? How do we innovate uh, for the energy security? And how do we innovate to support a capable state? We also have identified areas where there would be new sources of growth, uh, the secular economy and digital economy. So we've started to do work in these areas. We are financing, for instance, a very good and a large program on digital economy and its applications uh, in society and certain sectors. We've started to uh, look at the investments that we had been doing on the waste and how it can respond to secular economy. And then we have a range of activities where we would like to make sure that the sectors of the economy, such as agriculture, mining, and manufacturing, are modernized to make sure that the social issues that could be impacted by technologies in these sectors and the support for SMMEs um, is something that, as a country, we're going to do. So allow me, Chair and, and Honorable Members, to just give you a flavor of what do we mean by agriculture. So here we've selected um, how we can have productivity 
challenges that can be addressed by digitization and precision tools that include high and volatile input um, costs on fertilizer and water. Delayed detection of crop animal diseases, outbreaks and inability to timely access market trading information by the farmer and in particular small scale farmers. This is very, very important. I'm sure you've seen in TV in the last couple of days where uh, in the EU where we are exporting some of the agricultural products for weeks, our agricultural products were not uh, allowed to enter into the EU. So we need to start looking at, for instance, ICT-based applications that could offer uh, tools such as Internet of Things and the integration of satellites, drones, and sensor technology, for instance, to drive crop monitoring improvements and disease diagnostics, saving millions of runs and loss of production. So that's one specific example. Uh, we will then be working, we have started to work with the Department of uh, Agriculture, Land uh, Reform uh, and Rural Development on incorporating some of these ideas into agriculture. We think that big business can probably adopt these new modern ways of agriculture, but our small scale farmers, uh, they may be in your um, provinces that you represent and part of the implementation would be to identify those programs in the provinces in order to ensure that uh, these new um, tools to modernize agriculture can be implemented. The same goes for uh, manufacturing. How do we have new thinking for new industries and new thinking for matured industries? And how do you use advanced ICT-based applications to drive productivity improvements in manufacturing? We have started uh, with uh, the CSRR, to look at uh, what is called the smart factory uh, as part of uh, making sure that, for instance, young and small uh, entrepreneurs and of course, big businesses can come there and start to look at how you can modernize manufacturing. There are other areas of work as a department that we have invested in, in the past in the energy space with the hydrogen fuel cells, uh, in the area of uh, satellite manufacturing, and also in the areas of uh, launching satellites as part of moving into the medium to high-end exports. In the mining area as well, it is extremely important that with increasing costs, declining grades, and increasing average depths of uh, mining, we are able to provide technological solutions to make sure that we have um, improving recoveries and find innovative ways and new cost-effective ways of extracting these minerals and these commodities that we have uh, in, in the ground. So given these challenges, we are proposing the adoption of digital technology and data analytics that we believe offer tremendous benefits for the mining sector. Uh, we are working now with them on a program called South African Mineral Extraction Research Development and Energy, sorry, and Innovation. And we now want to see whether we can add new areas of work working uh, with them. In the energy space, um, we have now something which we call Hydrogen Valley, um, which is an area stemming from Richards Bay, Durban, and moving all the way along the N3 in up to Joburg, Pretoria, and Mohalakwe. What we are proposing here 
is that we have hubs of technological capabilities where we will have our hydrogen products, hydrogen infrastructure to kickstart the adoption of this cleaner uh, energy uh, in, 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 in this valley. So in Deben, for instance, we are having discussions um, with uh, airports company of South Africa. We are having discussions with the port of Deben to look at converting, for instance, the material handling machines, including high stars from diesel into being hydrogen power. We see a situation where we could speak with the Department of Transport to start changing some of the diesel passes and feed them with hydrogen fuel cells, and therefore putting all the refueling infrastructure between Deben and Johannesburg. We would like to work with the mining houses in uh, Polokwane um, to start uh, looking at how we can retrofit some of the material handling uh, uh, transport in the mines, including powering mines with hydrogen and fuel cells. So this is the work that we would like to do in the next uh, 10 to 15 years, which we believe will create new economic opportunities and will require new skills um, uh, that are needed. So this is just uh, giving an example of what will be happening in Mohalakwena in the Limpopo hub, where we want to convert mining trucks in Deben Richards Bay, as I've said, and along the entry corridor, corridor with port activities that could be changed. And then in the Johannesburg hub to try and begin to use hydrogen-based green and gray hydrogen uh, to drive the activities of iron and steel in some of the sectors. And by doing this on the left-hand side, we hope to increase the demand for hydrogen. Um, and by increasing the demand for hydrogen, we hope by 2030 to bring the cost down uh, from $4 per kilogram, which is very expensive, to about 2 to 2.5. Because as you know, the higher uh, the, the demand, the costs come down. What we have done in the last couple of uh, years uh, in this Hydrogen Society Roadmap, we've decided to uh, divide our milestones and our activities into three phases. This phase between 21 and 24, we've identified that we'll be able to produce small-scale electrolyzers and uh, gigawatt hydrogen production um, for power uh, that can be done. And then we've scaled this up, up between 25 and 2030 and even more so um, in 2030, 2040. And what this does, it allows us to quantify, as you can see here, the number of jobs that will be required. Uh, and these are new jobs that will be working on hydrogen fuel cells, retrofitting these hydrogen fuel cells, uh, fueling stations, producing hydrogen fuel cells um, uh, for stationary applications. We are estimating 20,000 uh, jobs that would be created annually by 2030 and about 30,000 jobs that would be created annually uh, by 2040. So it's quite a big program. It will transform uh, the, the, the energy sector. Uh, and then we are working with our colleagues from higher education uh, and training to start looking at the skills that we need. Another program that we are embarking on is a program 
that could address some of the uh, pollution challenges in Pumalanga and some of the areas where we have um, coal-fired power stations. We do know that um, there is pollution that comes out of the stacks of these uh, coal-fired power stations and industrial plants. Uh, we have particulate matter, we have um, mercury, uh, some gases uh, of uh, nitrous oxide and sul sul sulfuric oxide, oxide uh, which do not uh, um, comply with the legislation. And then you have uh, poor air quality and then people are sick, uh, they die, decrease economic uh, activity. So what we are proposing uh, is in these coal-fired power station and industrial plants is whether we can produce hydrogen, green hydrogen in particular, and green ammonia and feed them into the, uh, the, the, the power station. And by so doing, we can reduce the particulate matter uh, and uh, these dangerous gases and actually produce fertilizer, sulfuric acid, uh, hydrogen and ammonia. So we can produce uh, on-site commodities and create new jobs. And as, as we can see, the objective of this cold CO2 to X program is to convert coal-fired power station and industrial flue gas into multiple on-site industrial commodity streams. So this is an area of work that we are extremely excited about and which we are also driving. And in fact, uh, this is an example of a pilot technology demonstration program um, that we have identified um, in Limpopo province where we are taking a cement factory and we'll be taking flue gas and take ammonia and convert this uh, into um, a fertilizer production plant. This is a demonstration of what I have just showed in the previous slide, where you can really continue to have these um, uh, plants producing what they are producing, but hopefully for the next five to 10 years, uh, you innovate around this so you can uh, support um, the industry, but whilst cleaning the environment. We also have decided to invest in uh, vaccine development, uh, drug discovery, uh, medical devices, diagnostics, uh, as well as the production of active pharmaceutical uh, ingredients uh, for health products. So this is the work that we hope to do in the next 10 years. What these slides show is the amount of money that we are spending per year uh, buying vaccines. What you see on the left-hand side is different types of vaccines and where we get them from. And as you can see, they are predominantly uh, imported into South Africa. So we spend about 12.8 billion rands roughly on buying these vaccines. The same uh, for a private sector expenditure on vaccines in South Africa. Again, we show on the left-hand side the vaccines that are imported, the quantity and the um, amount of money we're spending. So we're spending around about 12.8 and 12.6. So we spend about 25 billion rands uh, on vaccines. So what we would like to do is to start having local innovation and local IP, intellectual property, that we are going to use to start having certain vaccines being locally produced. So this is a program that we've started to do 
and very, very soon we'll be able to make some, some announcements. We also have set up this National Policy Data Observatory, which was very, very significant uh, during COVID-19 uh, to provide data and information that was used by the National Corona uh, Virus to be able to track the disease, understand uh, how people's attitudes were on the disease. So um, we are very, very happy about this because it was using scientific information to provide uh, decision-making or policies that could be uh, derived. We also recently provided the expertise. Uh, the data observatory was supporting how we can uh, assist in the rehabil rehabilitation and remediation in the area of uh, um, that were devastated by disaster uh, in KZN. Recently, you probably heard that the Council for Scientific and Industrial Research, uh, together with um, uh, one of uh, investigating units, uh, to sign a, an MOU on how they can draw on the scientific capability that the Council for Scientific and Industrial Research and others uh, have to provide data analytics uh, to assist in strengthening their cybersecurity. This you may find exciting. Again, we have now started to look at how we can uh, use the district development model and identify impact areas from the project uh, that we can then, uh, through the TDM model, implement in different type of uh, different provinces. So we are looking at whether the uh, projects that we are putting together can have life-changing opportunities. So this means skills development, entrepreneurial support, uh, incentives and support for tech startup innovation, SMMEs and co-ops, support for young people, youth innovation incentive scheme. So we then put together uh, for this impact area one that can have life-changing opportunities for people. And I will show you now the different types of projects that uh, uh, we have, we are still trying to put them around these uh, impact areas. The second impact area is where eco economic competitiveness and recovery could be achieved. So here we're looking at local systems of innovation and production. We're looking at innovation for local economic development, innovation support for existing sectors, as I indicated, new area on, and support for new sources of growth in the digital economy and circular economy. So we've got 12 uh, of such projects for now. And then we have areas where we can have access to basic services and infrastructure and whether we can uh, use innovation to improve basic service delivery in water, energy, human settlement, waste management, and others. And then the last area is where we can uh, use knowledge uh, for instance, to deal with some emerging societal problems or the ones that exist. For an example, youth in drugs, environmental pollution and degradation, as I've shown earlier on, climate change, smarter cities, decision support tools, and policy research. So these are the four uh, categories or the four ways in which we categorize the initiatives that the system has been doing. We know you can't see this, but what we show, for instance, in the middle is the initiatives that the system has in Gauteng. 
and how we can then package them along those four areas in order to be able to support the district development model. So these projects, as you can see, um, they are in the Eastern Cape, Free State, Gauteng. We have the largest in KZN, Limpopo. So it's across all the provinces. And what you see at the top is how many in the different provinces are in impact area one that I've showed earlier on, how many impact two, three, four. So again, we can package these projects along these four impact areas in the different provinces. So this is what we're doing now here. And this is um, a reference in the ge geographic space. So we'll be able to provide you with this in much more detail once the um, DDM has been completed. So what are the enablers uh, for the implementation of the Decadal Plan? The first one I did indicate that we have a ministerial committee, interministerial committee, mainly made up of uh, um, government ministers. This has met and they also ask us to go and consult. Once the consultation has been completed, we are proposing to have a science and innovation presidential council or plenary that will involve government, so all of these ministers, business, academia, and civil society. And we hope that there would be a science and innovation compact that would enable programs that have to be funded and implemented collectively across departmental boundaries and private sector. And we think that the levers that we have are budget coordination and this strategic management model, which we have proposed, which we think will help us then to drive uh, the implementation of the Take Care Plan. So what's the purpose of the Innovation and Skills Compact that we hope will be signed soon is to ensure policy coherence and certainty related to innovation. We hope to ensure synergy among rather than the duplication of initiatives and incentives and to ensure commitment from the relevant actors uh, to working together to enhance innovation performance. We also think that it is extremely important uh, to have targeted education and skills that would support innovation. And as I've indicated in the ministry uh, with our sister department, we've started to map up the skills that we need and how we need to educate um, the workforce of the future. We would like to start managing the leakage of intellectual property from the institutions that we fund and have increased support for converting that knowledge into commercial products. We would like to use public procurement of locally developed technologies. What this means, for an example, is that in the vaccine local production slides that I've shown you, if we don't use public procurement, government saying we will buy from uh, whoever the entity that will be producing vaccines, if we government says we, we, that there is no commitment it doesn't make sense for us to continue to then try and produce um, uh, the, the vaccines. And then we want to improve the capabilities across government to support innovation and to increase the spatial footprint of innovation in South Africa in line with the district development model uh, that I've just shared with you. So there's a process for uh, a budget coordination. We've started to work with our colleagues from the National Treasury 
Uh, there will be a role for the National Advisory Council on Innovation to collect data, to understand how the different departments are investing in science, technology, and innovation, and start to include this process in the budgeting process at National Treasury. The second proposal is to agree that uh, the various departments will play a different role. For an example, on the left-hand side, as the Department of Science and Innovation, we're proposing that we need to put a lot of resources in, build, in building the emerging areas, whether it's in the biotech area, in the nanotech area, in the digital area, uh, digital technologies area, as well as, uh, for instance, in secular economy. So we'll build those, those foundational areas. But when it, it goes to their applications in the middle, we propose that sector departments take a lead. So when we talk about modernizing agriculture, health, uh, and or mining, we then need to work with the Department of Agriculture, Health, and DMRE, and they need to earmark resources and help to implement uh, those areas. And therefore the DSI funding uh, on the green line would be more on the left-hand side and then it will decline as we go on the right-hand side and the proposal is that the other government departments must then on the dotted line, maybe less on the left-hand side, but more on the right-hand side, of course, with the private sector as well. So this is a model that we are proposing, but this uh, a, a, a model must be supported with budget that is allocated. So we've started to understand the challenges of budgeting. And we're finding that there's inadequate support for research development activities and funding um, uh, across some sectors of government. Not all SNT national departments allocate staff to plan and manage their STI work. So we'd like to see and propose that maybe some DSI officials or somebody in a department um, is focusing on STI work reallocate budgets to other priorities uh, is something that seems to happen in, in, in other government departments and we would like to then arrest this. And then uh, we also are seeing that a number of public research organizations are increasingly under financial pressure and they are then not focusing on building the, the capabilities of science. On the budget coordination, we already had a meeting of DGs uh, National Treasury, myself, and DGTPME. We have set up a technical working groups with National Treasury that are looking at how we can integrate public science, technology, and innovation budget coordination mechanism into the process of budgeting. We have modeled the amount of money that we need um, to reach the target. Um, we have already worked very closely with uh, the Government Technical Advisory Center, GTEC, uh, and National Treasury uh, on how the DSI can enhance the monitoring and evaluation of budgets. Uh, and then we have engaged with the Depart Department of uh, um, uh, Monitoring and Evaluation uh, in order to see whether STI priorities can be integrated into the mandate paper. And we hope that this will be endorsed by the Interministerial Committee soon. So we have engaged uh, on this budget coordination with uh, national departments and we'll continue to do that on what percentage of budgets from health 
uh, agriculture and so forth needs to be put aside for science, technology and innovation activities. I think I've already talked about this, so I will not go through this slide. So what's the highlights? Uh, cabinet has approved this decadal plan for further consultation. And we have had deep engagement with the NETLEC uh, uh, structures. And I think we have another meeting next week. We have engaged with National Treasury on this budget coordination. Uh, and then uh, the DSI started integration, the implementation of the decadal plan priorities into the APPs of the department and entities. And we are still again uh, socializing this into the, in, into the uh, stakeholders. We have a, a draft framework for the innovation compact that I shared with you. And we hope to have uh, another IMC meeting uh, after this one, which we had um, in 2021. We have consulted widely, uh, STI intensive departments, industry association, national treasury, planning, monitoring, and evaluation, as I indicated, civil society, science councils, higher education, and network. So what's emerging from these consultations is that there needs to be a greater and structured institutionalization between business and government departments to enable the development and implementation of sector-led research development and, and innovation plans. Formulate a core investment framework that will enable business to drive a return on investment for their investments. Uh, also, how is the decadal plan going to be implemented in the current constrained fiscal environment? These are some of the issues that were raised by the private sector. They have also asked that the importance of entrenching um, STI as part of basic and tertiary education curriculum uh, is important. And then labor has raised issues of making sure there's a balance uh, that is aimed at not minimizing jobs whilst we move into these new areas, something that we are consulting and working with them fairly closely. There was an inaugural meeting November last year, uh, and these are the ministries that were represented quite uh, a large uh, spectrum, but important one. So where to from here? We want to um, consolidate all the feedback from consultations uh, with social, social partners at NEDLEC. We want to start working on the societal grand challenges and how we can institutionalize the implementation, update the budget coordination project, and finalize the innovation and skills compact that I have indicated. So we hope to table the decadal plan at the meeting of DGs in October. We hope then to host the second IMC at the end of October and table the Cabinet, the decadal plan to cabinet for final approval in November, and we hope to have the first plenary uh, that I indicated in March 2023. So, Chair, I'd like to stop here and, and thanks very much. We would be very, very happy to take perhaps quick questions of clarity, comments, advice on how to finalize this document, which we have already started to implement, but of course, just to get um, the endorsements by the IMC. Uh, cabinet and then to have plenary. Thank you very much. Um, thank, thanks a lot. I've, as you can see, um, I've moved from the office to the car to so that I can take advantage of the speakers in the car. 
Um, Honourable members, here's the presentation by the department. It's um, it's very interesting um, and actually inspiring. Um, but I realize during this presentation that as this committee, we really don't have enough information about what the Department of Science and Innovation is doing uh, in terms of its programs, particularly, um, you know, getting briefings on cutting edge technologies, you know, in, you know, emerging technologies that are uh, developed in the country by the department, of course, through its other institutions, and new technologies that are developed by people in communities. Um, we've heard about this uh, thing in Mpomalanga, this young person who was producing fuel from recycling plastics. I'm not a scientist, but I think from the figures that he was showing in terms of how much you get uh, when you subject plastic to a particular pressure and combined with this and that, it's able to produce fuel that they are using in the village. You know, um, if, if this thing is not fake news and it's true, what is this that we are doing to, to make a follow-up? I don't think um, in other instances, people who, um, you know, um, involved in this in science and technology as their business. They will know where to go, they'll know at which door to to knock and where to get funding for development of this. But when we get something from a local newspaper, from a radio, isn't there something that we can do for reasons to follow up and just find out what is this thing? Is this person lying? Because somebody can burn plastic and buy petrol and say this <laughs> I don't mean to say that this person was lying. The, the, the kind I'm, I'm trying to show is that I think there's need, for instance, in other instances, to take uh, initiatives and make follow-ups. Uh, you may be doing that, but because we are not getting any feedback and briefing, so we really are not aware of uh, those kind of things. And... Uh, as I said earlier, the the roadmap of the STI, you know, the map of the STI in the provinces. During the presentation, I could see that something happening in Limpopo, this and that, in KwaZulu Natal. I know in KwaZulu Natal there was some place where they are getting gas from the dams. Uh, what interventions, or maybe you know, encouraging municipalities to and the Department of Environment to make follow-ups on reclaiming this, um, you know, uh, uh, dumps, or even legalizing that because there are instances where you get dumps where they are not supposed to be, you know, just down the river. I mean, they say dump here and then down the, I mean, down the hill it's a river. So obviously, there'll be filtration into the river from whatever you throw, throw in that dump will actually find its way into the river. And that's affecting livelihoods of communities. You know, um, 
But the gap in terms of information between us and you, it's, it's huge. Um, but I think we must find a way of, um, of closing those gaps. So honorable members, there is the great presentation by the department. Uh, yeah, and I just want to check what um, are the questions and or points of clarity. Uh, yeah, over to you, honorable members. I'll, I'm watching this thing from the car. I'll, uh, a show of hand will be useful if they uh, if they appear on the system. Um, but you know, for me, this is a serious information overload. There. <laughs> Uh, you know, um, I know that not uh, not all politicians are scientists. And while we also agree that not all scientists are politicians, so we need to meet each other halfway through coaching and sharing information, and together, you know, moving forward to make sure that science and technology helps us to impact uh, on poverty and underdevelopment. Um, and uh, yeah, the, also the Department of Basic Education, we know we, as a country, we're opening a new way of uh, getting into the new tech, uh, tech world. That's why they've introduced the uh, robotics and others in schools. Um, but you know, robots have been there in the past, during the 70s, they were used by the military. They only came into the public domain a little bit late when the technology is nearly outdated, that's when it. But are we real, are you teaching our children outdated technologies? <laughs> or are, they, are we dealing with the real things of the 21st century and looking at challenges facing the 21st century because we're supposed to be planning ahead as, um, yeah, as technical and political animals? in this field. Over to you, honorable members, um, and that, because this is a new thing and we have this uh, gap of information, we, some of the questions will, 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 will send them over to the department, uh, just for, for, for explanation to know why this thing is called the cartel uh, system, uh, you know, and, the, when this cabinet uh, decision was taken in 2019, all of us were not in this. Uh, I don't think we're privy of what, what was in the info and all that. So a little briefing will actually help uh, going forward. Thank you very much, DG uh, and the team. Um, over to members, those who have questions now, you may... And uh, yeah, in the absence of any question, um, other members will ask that we release. Okay, uh, maybe if you could uh, uh, comment, try to answer some of the Chaperson? questions that would. Yes, who is that? 
It's in two ways, person. My honourable in two ways. Yes, you are welcome. No, thanks, thanks, I couldn't. Uh, I can't use the raise hand function, person. That's why I just they kept me like that. My apologies again. No, no you're welcome. You're welcome. Sir. No, Chair, I just want to from you, Chair, that uh, we. I think there is a lot that uh, we are really missing. There is a lot that uh, we do not know. I mean, this is a this is a quite extensive information to consume at 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 once, Chairperson. And I think, like you have said, that it's time that we should familiarize ourselves with whatever that is happening, Chairperson. But I just have to. You had mentioned, Chair, that. Uh, Robots have existed uh, even, I think, before. It's not something of now. It was in the military before. And I want to check, check because you see, you are dealing with a, because we must plan ahead, all of us. Uh, we should work it on, on with, with the law of balancing. Everything must, must balance between us. It's, I know that it's really inevitable, Chairperson. It's really inevitable. The fourth question is my take, Chair, is that we, we, we all of us know that the it will, fourth industrial revolution will impact hugely on the human resource. Majority of, of our people will not be able to have a work. Those who work will do just the minimum work. Because majority of us will will really depend on uh, on uh, on your robots and technological advancement for 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 things like uh, production, manufacturing, and so forth. Chair. So I just want to check on that. How do we balance between the two, chair? Because if if we are not going to balance it, we'll have a problem in the future, chairperson. Whereby you find it that the eighty percent of the population is out of work. Uh, 20% is in work, and that will create a very, very big problem for us, Chairperson. Secondly, Chair, if uh, I think this is, a, this is a good presentation thus far, but I want to check, uh, Chair, that uh, I think the DG had mentioned that uh, the country is, is losing about almost 25 billion per annum to, to in in procurement of vaccination and then they had said that they have they are i'm not sure if they have or they are planning to tap in that uh, in, in 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 that sector so i want to check how far they are with with us as a country producing our own vaccination a before chair i think is three years back a three years back and i think i've 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 I'm I'm asking the same question. I don't know if I was if if it if the question that I'm I'm asking now where where attended to. I had said I think three years back the country were hit by drought. Che, I think now I'm referring to the agriculture in terms of the uh, ICT consent. There was a instance where the country had a had a drought. And uh, I think livestock of, of farmers uh, died because there was no water. And then uh, even grass was not there. 
And then I said that uh, I think it was in Dubai. I'm not sure where they 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 stimulate clouds with using the drone. So that technological advancement. So I want to check how far they are because I think the last time I asked that question, they said that it's something that is normally practiced. I'm not sure if if it has uh, came into 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 our shores as 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 a nation chair so i just want to check on 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 those uh, three issues chair that how really because if you if you listen to the presentation and read it i mean these are these are the best solutions that uh, we 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 can we come across chair so i want to check chair that when are we going to see as a nation this technological advancement in our in 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 reality? Because as things stand now, Che, I think I am correct to say that they are only on paper. They are not they are not there. We can't see them now. So so I think I will I will just pause there, Che. I will say if I've got a follow up question. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Thanks, Honorable Nziva. I muted my and my microphone and left the the, the video on. Uh, th thanks a lot, Honorable Nziva, for your for your questions. Is there another question from the members? Yeah, um, did you may deal with some with the questions as the as the. Yeah, thank you very much, uh, Chair and, and, and the members. And we, we would like again to say the offer of engaging with you a lot more on these issues um, is accepted by us. Um, so I don't know, though, how we action this, Chair. Is it something that uh, perhaps from the department side, we work closely with the Secretariat so we can identify uh, key areas of work that you may have an interest in so we can have in your program specific updates that we can provide you. Maybe that's something uh, that I would ask at DDG as one and the team to engage your office on, of course, in consultation with you on which areas um, we, um, we, 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 can, we can unpack. The, 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 the two that I want to maybe propose as immediate areas where we can share detailed developments, uh, it's something which we call a district development model in detail. So as you have indicated, the, 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 the set of initiatives that we had in each province uh, along those four impact areas that um, we shared earlier on, so this could be um, a presentation that we can share with you because uh, um, in response to the last point by Honorable Nzube, uh, not all of these ideas, Honorable, are, are, are not being done. Some of them are. And that's why the, the, the document is a 10-year plan. So we want to continue, if you remember our philosophy that in the last couple of years, we were building the system, but now we want to really drive in the next 10 years, deeper engagement with the actors in the system to make sure that they can fill these projects. 
so that they are not just in on, on paper. So that's the first thing that we would like to propose, Chair, and in response to the last comment ba- made by Honorable Sub. The second area of work that we um, could share with you is something which we are running in the program called the Grassroots Innovation Program. This is a program which is a bottom-up program where um, the innovators, people with ideas, they are invited through one of our agencies to indicate what ideas they have or which ideas they are working on. And then as part of improving uh, the idea and or a product that they already have, uh, they would then be provided with uh, the know-how uh, either at the technology stations that we have across the different provinces and or um, at one of our science institutions. So this is something that we can share with you again in a formal presentation to give you a sense of the beneficiaries, how the program works, and how that program can then um, respond to the um, example that you gave of a person that we end up in newspaper, reading in newspaper saying, I have this idea. And then later on, of course, um, when we have developed and finalized the areas of the um, future of work and the future of education, in response to Honorable Nsube's question of how do we balance the two, um, Mr. Patel would be more than happy to come and share with you the thinking on how this could be addressed and how we would be able, uh, perhaps in the next five years, drive uh, the balance. Um, We have already shared with you, uh, for instance, that introducing Um, the Hydrogen Society Roadmap, working with the Energy and Water CETA, where we're taking uh, unemployed graduates um, in the TVET space, and they are further trained on how to maintain and run uh, some of these hydrogen fuel cells. So new skill set for the new industrial activity so that you minimize um, uh, unemployed youth in this case, And then we might also be at that stage sharing with you some of the programs that we are having as part of the Presidential Youth Employment Initiative. Um, uh, But we can then talk about how we see uh, and the work that we are doing on a fourth industrial revolution and how that would impact which sectors and how we are then going to work with others to do the the reskilling and the retraining. So uh, those are then the three specific areas of work that we can um, uh, follow up on. And then um, it it may also be useful for us to share with you um, what we call provincial innovation systems and how we work with provinces to encourage them to drive innovation at, 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 at provincial level. Because we don't have provincial uh, competence, but by working with those structures that we are working on we, with, we might be able to drive innovation. For an example, in KZN, um, we are working with Moses Kotane Institute. They have developed something which is called an innovation strategy for the province in KZN. 
We have engaged with the Itala Bank that has identified areas of growth that they would like to finance in this innovation space, working with young people. And we are having a follow-up meeting with Itala Bank and some actors of the system to further discuss some of the ideas that we discussed with the bank. We will then also have a meeting with the Moses Kotana Institute. So these are early days of trying to institutionalize these issues. This is the point that you raised, Chair, that unless you have uh, institutions in the province that, that they can then set up their own innovation ecosystem so that the information in the provinces um, uh, can then follow up much, much quicker, uh, we are in a better position to, uh, to respond to that. And then uh, the, 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 the vaccine 25 billion uh, strategy, we've completed different components of the strategy. We, we know how we are going to continue to work with BioVac. Um, yesterday and this morning, there'll be an announcement that will be made by Aspen in this area of vaccine production. So on the private sector side, we've got those champions. However, the money in vaccine is not made with putting an ingredient into the small vials that we get um, um, jabbed with. It's, it's in the ingredient and the formulation of the ingredient that goes into the vaccine itself. So that's where we would like to focus attention on, as well as the clinical trials to test those vaccines or those candidate vaccines. Uh, that's where the expensive part of the program is. So that's where we are. We have identified four areas where we're going to invest. We are giving ourselves three years to have the first uh, vaccines that will be produced in South Africa. We think this is a realistic target. Of course, uh, we will require, as I say, working together by a different government department. So we'll be tabling a strategy by the end of this year on how this can and should be done in South Africa. And then we're going to start the program next year. So we can update you. Uh, in the next uh, couple of years as we continue to work with you. Um, I don't know if uh, the idea of uh, seeding the clouds in order to stimulate rain is still happening, but I do know that in Pumalanga, uh, the South African Weather Services, at that time I think it was called the Weather Bureau, started this uh, project. And uh, my recollection is that it was stopped, and it was stopped because of the um, the, the, the acid that came with the rain, and therefore instead of having rain that helps the crops, uh, the rain did not uh, help uh, because it came with a lot of acid. I don't have an update on that, I'll be honest, but if any of my DDGs and the rest of the stuff that are here, but what we do focus attention on is something which we call drought-resistant crops and how do you manage um, scarce water resource in what we call precision uh, irrigation. So in other words, how do you make sure that um, you've got water that is scarce, but you don't just use unnecessarily uh, long water and which crops uh, and varieties through uh, knowledge can be used in those dry areas uh, which are susceptible to drought. So, uh, so we're only giving you part of the answer uh, the answer of the cloud seeding, if that's something specific, it doesn't really lie within the Department of Science and Innovation. I think it was implemented at that time by uh, the Department of Environment. 
So I don't know if um, Imran wants to say anything about how he sees the future of work and the future of society uh, as part of implementing the decade plan. And if Dr. Moape wants to say anything about the provincial innovation systems, um, and maybe uh, if uh, he could respond to the follow-up to the young person who made a claim of uh, producing uh, petrol. So maybe let me hand over to those. Rebecca, if you want to say anything on the, um, the vaccine over and above what I've said, you, you're more than welcome. So let's start with Imran, Dr. Mope, and Rebecca. Uh, thanks, DG. Um, and thanks to the members of the committee. <clears throat> Apologies about the voice. Um, uh, struggling with the hay fever, and I'm looking forward to the first rains of the season. Uh, in terms of the future of education and work, at the moment, uh, what we're doing is that there's a number of uh, universities and other institutions, including some of our social partners, whether it's business or, 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 or um, uh, the trade unions, have been looking at this and have also initiated research. So as part of the, the kind of white paper commitment to to coordinate effectively so that we can really use the capabilities across the system. What we're doing at the moment is, is identifying what exists um, uh, across the different universities, et cetera, and working with those players to craft out uh, a, a medium-term agenda, but a medium-term agenda that's not only focused on doing more research, but really using what we already know, I mean, there's some very, very nice work that has been done. Uh, some of it, for example, the president was involved in with the ILO. Uh, there was an ILO, a very, very big commission that was set up uh, about three, four years back that looks at the future of work and then obviously the future of skills. There's work by the World Economic Forum. Uh, there's local work, et cetera. To pull this together, and to actually get that 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 analysis and and understanding uh, to people who are making decisions about the future of work and about the future of education. So, for example, uh, business organisation, trade unions, etc. I think that's the missing gap. There's good research, and there are people who are looking at this uh, issue either as a threat, uh, as a challenge, or they're confronting it on a real basis. Trade union, when we engaged with the trade unions, it was very interesting because people were telling us that, you know, this is what their members are, are talking about. So can we, for example, work with the trade unions to identify workplaces that are at risk of automation or digitization, but also uh, workplaces that have successfully transitioned, that has been able to use technology effectively uh, to enhance their productivity, et cetera, and bring that together in some way uh, so that this is available and that other business players and other trade unions can, can have a much more fuller picture of what is happening because it's not as easy as saying that robots will replace people, uh, people who are, are very supportive of technology. And I, I, I straddle both fields. 
I'm not a techno-optimist, neither am I a techno-pessimist. And the techno-optimist would say, no, you know, new jobs will be created, we have to do this. But you tell it to a worker on the ground, they're saying, we don't believe you, in a sense. And then at the same time, you get the techno-pessimists who basically say, you know, we're going to lose our jobs, we're going to struggle, etc. And what is actually required is to straddle that middle way based on informed understanding analysis and good research and data and, and science. Uh, so for example, we don't have a handle of what exactly is happening, how, how many jobs have been replaced by, by technology, in what sectors, etc. So through the grand challenge, we're hoping that we will be able to deal with this challenge, which is not confronting only South Africa, but it's confronting the world. We can deal with it in a headlong way, but in a way that doesn't just reinforce the techno-pessimist or the techno-optimist, but do it in a way that is guided by our own material realities. And then very importantly, can we find those, what I call niches, this is the way that the innovation policy people think about it, find those niches where people are using technology very, very effectively to create new kinds of work. Uh, and, and a good example here is microwork. There's some very interesting models that have been tried and piloted in, in countries like Ghana, but we're doing it as well on our own, where people are able to take uh, peace jobs, but uh, technology peace jobs in a way that is not just disempowering, et cetera, and, and, and create livelihoods. So we need to find these cases and bring this conversation, give this conversation uh, what we again call uh, directionality. We need to stay it along to say that this is not something we should be fearful of, and neither should we be uh, overly enthusiastic about it. Let's deal with it in a very practical, pragmatic, and realistic way. So at the moment, what we're doing is basically uh, finding out what's happening, what's being done, so that we can put together a, a, a kind of a, a plan and hopefully at the World Science Forum uh, that's happening in December, uh, the minister can make announcement around a, 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 a kind of a uh, an effort uh, uh, guided by science <clears throat> on thinking about the future of work and education. There's two other grand challenges, but I won't speak to that now, DG. I hope that was helpful. Thanks. <clears throat> Thanks, uh, DG. I'm just going to be uh, providing some highlights on the work that we're doing at provincial level and local uh, government level. And th this work that we're doing is really being done in partnership with both provincial and local government. And the, re the reasoning behind that is that we, we cannot just do work on our own as a department at these uh, various government levels. So only when there is buy-in and investment uh, by both local government and provincial level do we really start initiatives. We got initiatives going in a number of provinces and there are a few municipalities that have come on board and these initiatives are about creating opportunities for um, innovation-based uh, employment or entrepreneurship. Uh, where we also have, in some instances, partnerships with uh, players in the private sector, but also uh, looking at having uh, to implement some partnerships with the CITAS. Uh, so, so these initiatives um, are basically on the basis of um, uh, piloting, 
the reason being that as soon as we find them to be working properly, then we can, with various other government departments, actually look at how those can be um, massified after they have been tested and the various innovations have been found to be useful in a particular locality. So um, this year we are looking to expand this. They vary, some of them are focusing on um, what we call entrepreneurs, uh, creating young entrepreneurs who are graduate, not employed, but who can actually uh, take various roles in environmental entrenched entrepreneurship. We also have those that are focused on culture and those that are focused on ICTs. So we, we do, um, I think as DG has said, uh, when we are presented with the opportunity to go into details as to where these projects are and how they are going, we will probably be able to highlight that because these are the very same initiatives that we are now using to anchor uh, our work under the district development model, where we're looking at um, district um, aligned uh, initiatives um, where we know that there are specific opportunities that are uh, only applicable to a particular inspection. We would like to really build on those. So I think uh, that's probably where I'm going to stop it. And uh, my apologies, I'm uh, just waiting at the hotel reception to be to be checked in. Uh, and I hope that there wasn't too much news. Uh, thanks very much. No, good morning. Thank you so much for the opportunity to speak this morning. I'm going to really t discuss um, the issues of vaccines. Um, I think one statistic that's very important is that currently only 1% of human vaccines are manufactured in, in Africa. And if you look at the targets of the AU, you know, African Union, they have a target to, I think, produce or manufacture 60% of human vaccines in Africa by 2040. And if we're going to make that target, we're really far behind. And I think South Africa um, is probably one of the best, um, has one of the best opportunities for, for playing that role for Africa. Not all 6%, but we'll put, we can help the continent move in that direction. And in part because we know the balance of payments in South Africa are really affected by the import of pharmaceuticals. But also second to that, and we saw this under COVID when you know, there was a shortage of vaccines for COVID that were being produced um, in India, you know, instead of even, you know, exporting the, the vaccines to where they need to be, the Indians really kept that vaccines for their own population. And this is something we're going to start seeing, especially as pandemics happen more often um, globally. Um, in South Africa, we have strong capabilities around clinical skills. Um, we actually just finalized a audit about two weeks ago that spoke, that looked at the 30 institutions across South Africa, um, which are capable which will have some capabilities um, to either manufacture, discover, or um, vaccines. This is across private sector and universities. And we found that out of the 30 institutions, at least 28 of them had some skills or capabilities around vaccine development, research, um, or either manufacturing in South Africa. Um, and, and really, in terms of that um, review, is that some of the HCIs or historically disadvantaged institutions didn't necessarily have all the skills required, but um, if we're going to have a sustainable vaccine manufacturing sector in South Africa, all organizations, HDIs, 
needs to be front and center in this opportunity. Um, in terms of the timelines, in terms of getting a um, vaccine manufacturing or new vaccines up and running in three years, that is very po possible because a lot of international organizations have been reaching out to South Africa to partner with us because of the vibrancy of our clinical trials um, system in South Africa, but also the capabilities that we've been building over the last two decades in South Africa in the health innovation space. Um, and then in terms of, um, I just wanna answer a question around, I think the Honorable Intutuba, he talked about the issue around science and technology impacts on poverty inequality. Um, I think in the agricultural portfolio, we've been doing quite a bit of work in terms of ensuring that co-ops or um, you know, subsistence farmers in the rural areas are actually getting access to new technologies, um, be it for um, dealing with issues of water scarcity, or even um, to increase their yields or reduce production costs. I mean, just two, just about a week ago, um, new technologies for cotton balers were introduced in our communities, both in Limpopo and Pumalanga, for subsistence farmers. And what happened is they vertically integrated the supply chain for these cotton farmers for co-op. And actually they're reducing their costs um, by 15, 1,500 rents, I think in terms of um, the costs that allowed them to now take home more money um, and then also expand their businesses. So um, as a DSI, we don't necessarily have large, we don't necessarily serve large groups of people, but normally what we do is we serve um, those um, citizens who are often left out of the large program. So subsistence farmers and co-ops are in a sense who are who are really at the you know end of opportunities. Those are the ones that we serve. And I think in better partnerships of Department of Agriculture, Rural Development and Land Reform, we can actually expand these programs. So I just wanted to bring that example up, that something that, um, that you may not have been aware of. And this is a program that was um, implemented as, as part of our initiative to bring new technologies and new ways of producing to, to subsistence farmers in South Africa, where the majority of them are Black South Africans. Thank you. Thanks very much, um, DDGs. So Honorable Chair, we're taking it back to you. Thank you. Um, thanks a lot, Gigi, uh, for the for the elaborate answers to the to the questions and and your acceptance of the invite, uh, you know, to give us info more info on this cutting edge technologies, new technologies that are. <clears throat> Uh, in the market, and not only in the market, but <clears throat> uh, facilitator developed through your assistance as the or your direction as the as the department. Um, so we'll be looking forward to that, as we know that you know uh, our role as Parliament is to play oversight over the department and. Um, and, and the ministry, but uh, oversight is database, uh, uh, DG. If you don't have information about what is happening or details about things, it becomes really difficult. And the good news is that we have, a, as a committee, we have a new content advisor. I'm waiting to talk to him or her before the end of this week. Uh, 
If there are no further questions from the members, I'll release the the DJ and the team so that we remain dealing with uh, matters related to management of the committee and other uh, committee issues. Uh, DJ and your team, thank you, thank you very much. Um, we'll keep you wired. Bye, Danke for responding to our call, as you usually do, as you always do. Thanks a million. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Remember, just remain in the meeting so that we deal with our... This is... Um... Noltando? Uh, will you flood the the minutes? Corrections that members will let to the Yeah, that's um if there are no other comments from the members on the minutes, I'm just moving from the car now to into the constituency office. Sure. And if there is none, is there any mover for No, any moves for the adoption of the minutes. Because seconds, Chair. Am I audible? Yes, you are audible, Chairperson. Oh, thank you. 
Is there any mover for adoption of the minutes? Moves for the adoption of the of the minutes and it goes to second it. Yeah. Yeah, and Dongeni has moved. Any second? Because he's seconding uh, honorable chair. Oh, because he's seconding. Thank you very much. Um Nortando, what is next? Yeah, minute, minutes of the 24th of August. Any corrections? There are the minutes of the members. Uh, am I audible, Nolten? But there's something wrong with my phone. Yes, you are, Chair. Am I audible? You are audible, Chairperson. We can hear you, Chair. We can hear you. Honorable Ndongeni. Mm -hmm. Yes, Chair. Go back to the car. Yo, Chocho. Yeah, the phone is stuck. I I can't hear them. I must connect to the room. It's freezing. It will freeze in point. I will let the phone. I let me connect to the car in a speed again. Sure. 
아이고 인돈 인돈잔 <웃음> Am I audible now? Yes, Che. Oh yeah, sure. It's um are there corrections to this minute? Yeah, no corrections. No, it's any mover for adoption. And don't get any moves now. Yeah, now I can hear you. And don't get any moves any second I say can go see. Oh, honorable go see second. Noltando, is there any other matter? Uh, there's nothing else, Chair, except that uh, we've got uh, Mr. Solomon Tombeni on the platform, uh, the new content advisor of the committee starting from tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Is uh, a new content advisor, Kanye, is a researcher. Welcome, Uwanum Tombeni. New content advisor or not doing any? I'm saying the content advisor is in our meeting. Uh, welcome. Uh, and can you switch on your video so we see you? Good morning, Chairperson. Um, I hope I'm audible. Uh, yes, Chairperson. Good morning to all the members. Good morning to the fellow staff members, uh, my name is Solomon Tombeni. Uh, I will be the new content advisor for the committee. Um, I previously served as a researcher for the Portfolio Committee on Sports, Arts and Culture. And I definitely look forward to working with all the members, the chairperson and all my colleagues within this committee. And I will give you my full um, effort in terms of work and I'll support you to the best of my ability. I thank you very much. I thought you'll say, so help me God. <laughs> so help me God. <laughs> no, welcome. You're very much welcome. Um, and that uh, we've been we're looking forward to having a permanent, uh, you know, uh, uh, content advisor. We've got very, we have had very good people who are supporting us, overstretched as they were. And uh, we're hoping that you'll take it from there and make it even better. We are not a difficult team. And as you can see, we in the NCOP, we're not like uh, the NA where, you know, uh, you find one person being in five or six, seven committees, you know. So, yeah, and uh, our emphasis mostly is on provinces, and I, you will know that much better. Uh, thank you very much, and you are welcome. We're all looking forward to working with you. Any other comment from the members before we... Yes, Chair. <coughs> yeah. Chairperson? Yes, of course. Chair? Yes, well, Stofile. Oh. Oh, yes. <coughs> it's Nzube, Chair. Nzube. Oh, I see there's another hand, just Stofile. 
Oh, my, my apologies, Chair. Like I said, that I can't use the great no, no, test no. and function. Oh, no, 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 you're welcome. <coughs> yes, <laughs> Am I audible, Chair? You are loud and clear. No, thanks, Chair. Uh, with the utmost respect, Chair, uh, through you, I just want to bring to the light of the committee, Chair, that uh, today is the last day of the assistant teacher program. And it has said that before that there would be an extension, Chair. Maybe through you, Chair, in your wisdom, that uh, in the next session of, of the committee, maybe we can have the, the, the Department of Education in relation to the assistant teacher program. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Any other thing? on top. Yeah, uh, thanks, Honorable Zhu, for raising that. Uh, when we have a program and the program closes down, we need to do evaluation of that program. What did you achieve through this? Uh, and how do we consolidate the gains that we, you know, we we got from our engagement on the, uh, you know, the assistant teachers there. And, yeah, and what have we achieved and what is the way forward? I think it's a, it will be important for for the department to do that, to brief us on that. Any, any closure of any program is to be evaluated. Uh, thanks very much, Honorable Chief. I think uh, the committee secretary and uh, and the, our management team will look into this matter uh, and then uh, maybe talk to me as and then I agree on a particular date where we'll get those briefings. It is absolutely necessary to do that. Thanks a lot again, Honorable Joe. Is there any announcement and Chair, can I go through? Thank you. So I, without interjecting you. Uh, I see a hand to send is it? Oh no, is it Linda Chair? Uh, oh Linda, okay. Uh, let you. me let me take the opportunity again to help those who you know. Linda and Mukhegwan um, for helping us through over this time when we didn't have a content advisor. Uh, thank you, thank you very much that your your involvement and you know uh, efforts were never wasted. We we learned quite a lot, and thanks for the good support you gave. Thank you very much, uh, all members. Can we? Call it a day. This meeting is adjourned. Sorry, Chair. Yes. Uh, Linda would like to say something. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Okay. Uh, over to you, Linda. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. Good day, honorable members. Chairperson. I won't be long, Chairperson. I wanted to give just a brief overview of what is the next step 
I was under the impression that Mr. Bandi will attend the meeting and introduce Mr. Mchombeni because he has crossed the floors now. He is no longer reporting to me. However, I want to assure the members that they are in the good hands. Mr. Mchombeni understands the need of the NCOP work. He has participated in various programs. And I've already assured him that we won't just leave the committee will support from the background as the senior researcher in education. Lastly, honorable members, I also wanted to indicate that I'm foreseeing that the committee will have a researcher by the 1st of October. I did inquire last night with HR trying to check what is happening. And they said they are still awaiting the feedback from HRE on the recommended candidates. So that's all that I wanted to say, honorable members. Once more, thank you, Chairperson. Thank you, members, for your support and being patient with us when we were having a lot of responsibility to take care. We will be working at the back, supporting our colleagues. Thank you. Daddy? Chair? Yo, Yo? Oh, no, I muted myself. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I was, yeah, uh, without repeating what I've said. Uh, is there any other thing, Ms. Uh, Kaka, um, before we close the meeting? No, Tando? No, there's nothing else, Chair. Okay, thanks a lot. Honorable members, thanks for attending this meeting. Thanks for responding promptly. Uh, this meeting is adjourned. Bye, thank you. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Yeah. Thank you, Chair. Although you Thank you, Nolando. Thank you, Bye bye. Recording stopped. Bye, Chair.